Welcome to episode 269 of the Deeper Christian Podcast. This is the podcast to help you study God's word, know Jesus intimately, and discover how you can build your life around Jesus Christ. I'm Nathan Johnson, and in today's episode, I want to talk about the birth of Jesus Christ. Let's dive in. Over the last several episodes, I've been connecting this podcast with the Daily Thunder series that I've been walking through called The Storyline of Scripture. And again, as I've been walking through that, I've been looking at these chunks of timeframes within the Bible and pointing out the fact that everything in Scripture points to the reality of Jesus Christ and his redemptive work upon the cross. Well, we've entered into the Gospels, and I love the reality, the truth of Jesus Christ. He is so amazing. Now, it is a little difficult as I've been pondering through this of like, all right, we've been talking about Christophanies or these glimpses of Jesus in the Old Testament. Well, and that makes sense uh, in this little mini series I've been doing. So how am I going to do Christophanies in the New Testament since it's all about Jesus? (laughs) So what I thought of that would be kind of fun to do is talk about some of the cultural things that really deepen our understanding and kind of give us a new insight or a depth of who Jesus is throughout the New Testament. So over these next three episodes, as we're wrapping up this mini series, tying it into the storyline of scripture, it's going to have a slightly different shift of focus, but we're still going to delight ourselves in the reality of Jesus Christ. And I really want to tie in the idea of seeing Jesus, even in these sections, the gospels, the entirety of the New Testament, and then as we get to the very end, the return of the king in terms of the eschatology and the end stuff, I want to tie that all in to the entirety of Scripture. So in this episode, I I want to focus on the birth of Jesus Christ. Now, as the time of this recording, it's in the middle of December, and I love this season because even though culture has shifted and kind of twisted the meaning of the season to where it's all about, it's actually rather strange. It's all about me and myself. And it's that selfish desire. And it's all under the banner of, oh, I'm going to give gifts, but really it's all about me. But I love the season because I, I love the Christmas music. I love the twinkling lights. And I love just the, as I'm driving around, the constant reminder of how good our God is. And though culture has perverted it, I love the fact that there's still a measure of hope and focus of Christ in the season. Granted, it's rather minuscule, but at least it's there. Now, there's a whole variety of things that we could talk about in terms of his birth, but I just want to look at one aspect. And if you're a avid listener of this podcast, I brought this up multiple times because I think it's just a beautiful reality of the gospel seen in the birth of Christ. So let me give you two aspects. One is just the fact that Jesus was born in a stable. Now, we don't know if it was an actual stable, you know, if it was like a barn, Uh, likely could have been a shepherd's cave. It could have been the basement or the first floor of someone's house. That's often where they kept the animals in a small home. So if there's no room in the inn, a lot of times people would open up their homes and you could stay, you know, with a family. But in this case, it may have been the first floor. Regardless of the scenario, in my mind, I picture a shepherd's cave. I just think it's far more uh, beautiful in terms of the entirety of scripture. It makes sense with some of the allusions to Jesus being the Passover lamb. There's just some neat insights, but regardless of how or where it actually took place, the fact that Jesus, the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords 
was not born in a castle. He wasn't born in the best of the hospitals. The fact that he was born in a lowly location, that alone is a beautiful portrayal of the gospel. And here's why. If Jesus was laid in an animal manger, right, a feeding trough, well, you realize this is the lowliest of low places. If there is no room for an inn, there's no nice accommodations, Jesus, the again, the God of the universe, the King of Kings, is born in this mucky, lowly, animal-infested, smelly location. Now you could say, well, <laughs> how does that betray the gospel? And I'd say, well, that actually is a great picture of our lives. That when you look at our lives before Jesus, we too are a stable. We are full of sin and muck and smell of the perversion that we have allowed into our lives. And yet the God of the universe, though he is God, is willing to condescend himself to be born in a life known as you and me. That that is so mind-boggling to me that God, if he is going to be birthed in something, he should be birthed in the greatest of locations. And yet what we see in the Gospels is that he, though the greatest of all, humbled himself. Paul says in Romans 5.8 that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. And in other words, while I was shaking my fist in rebellion in God's face, do you realize that God in his overwhelming love and mercy still died for me? That, that I, though I do not deserve his love or mercy or his forgiveness, yet Christ died on my behalf. And I love just the, the Christmas story and the fact that Jesus was born in a mucky stable. And here's the reality of the gospel. God is willing to be born in a life known as you and I, these mucky stables full of sin, that while we were yet sinning, Christ died for us. But the truth of the gospel is that, yes, that is true. He's willing to be born in our lives, yet he is unwilling to leave us that way. For whatever reason, the modern church and the modern kind of fluffy gospel that's been toted around lately is this idea that God just kind of pats us on our head and just says, oh, I forgive you, and you can keep doing whatever you want to do. But that that that's not biblical. The reality of the gospel is that, yes, he's one to be born in your life. Yes, he's one to come in in the midst of your sin and your muck and the smells, but he's unwilling to leave you that way. That he wants to, yes, forgive you, but then he wants to transfer you from the power of sin and bring you into the kingdom of the beloved son. That he wants to make you holy and righteous and godly in this present age. So again, let's come back to the, the Christmas story. Jesus was born in a stable, just like he wants to be birthed in our lives. And yet he doesn't want our lives to remain the way they are. That as Paul says, we are temples of the Holy Spirit. So though he's going to be birthed in a stable known as you and I, he actually wants to transform us by his overwhelming power, his grace through the spirit of God to turn us into a vessel, a, a location, a dwelling place for himself. What a great testimony of the truth of the gospel. Well, let me give you one other aspect that I love about the birth of Christ. And it comes from Luke chapter two. Let me just read you a few of these verses. And it says, 
in Luke 2, starting in verse 7, And Mary gave birth to her firstborn son, and she wrapped him in clothes and laid him in a manger, because there was no room for them in the inn. In that same region, there were some shepherds staying out in the fields and keeping watch over their flock at night. And then I'm just going to jump a few verses, but the angel shows up. And and the angel says in verse 10, To them, do not be afraid, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy, which will be for all the people. For today in the city of David, there has been born for you a Savior who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in clothes, these swaddling clothes, and lying in a manger. Now, we could look at that and be like, oh, okay, yay, that's that's a great part of the story. But we miss some of the cultural profundity in this whole scenario. We know that Joseph and Mary are in Bethlehem. And what's interesting is that Bethlehem is not just merely a shepherd's town, which is which is true. You know, David was a shepherd. And so they had this lineage of being right on the border of the wilderness as a great town to raise flocks of sheep. But as you come to the time of Christ, what you begin to notice is that Bethlehem was actually the location of the priestly shepherds. In other words, because Jerusalem was just five miles down the road, they needed, you know, constant influx of these lambs for the the daily sacrifices, for Passover, for, for these big holidays. And so Bethlehem was a location that the priestly shepherds would raise the flocks of sheep for the sacrifices down at the temple. Now, what is interesting to me is that in Luke's account, you have this angel showing up to these shepherds. Now, scholars tell us likely that these shepherds were probably teenagers. A lot of times the shepherding work went to the younger kids in the family. So they're not they're likely not these old guys. They're, they're probably these young teenagers. And I love the fact that in the in the first announcement of the birth of, of God himself, this incarnation, that it was given, you know, not to the adults, it was given to, to these kids. <laughs> it's just a just a neat thought. But again, they're likely priestly shepherds. And the reason that is so significant is because of what the angel says to them. Again, the angel looked at them and said, do not be afraid for behold, I bring you good news of great joy, which will be for all the people for today in the city of David. In other words, Bethlehem, there has been born for you a savior who is the Messiah. And then listen to what the angel says. This will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling clothes and lying in a manger. So the sign to these shepherds of the fact that here is this baby who is going to be the Messiah, the savior of the world is the fact that the baby is going to be wrapped in these clothes and lying in a feeding trough. And again, I think this is so incredible because when you see this in light of the fact that they're here, here they are, they're priestly shepherds. Well, then why would a baby wrapped in these little swaddling clothes lying in a manger be a sign? Well, when you looked at how the priestly shepherds functioned, when a little lamb was born, the most vulnerable part of that lamb's life is in those first couple of hours. You know, they're, they're, they're trying to get on their legs and they're shaky. And from what I could find out, that is the greatest chance of them breaking one of their little legs. And in other words, they, they were just birthed. They're trying to stand up. They're moving around. And in those first couple of hours, because they're just getting oriented, there's a good chance that they could just fall and, and break a leg. Well, that is a serious problem if these are going to be the sacrificial lambs up in Jerusalem. 
because in order to be a sacrificial lamb, they had to be pure and spotless and, and there could be no blemish, including a broken bone. And so what a priestly shepherd would do is that when a little lamb was born, they would literally take it and wrap it in these little swaddling clothes. They'd take all the little legs of the lamb, bring it up inside next to the little lamb's body and wrap it with these tight clothing, you know, like we do with a little baby. And they would set it in a feeding trough or a manger just to calm it down for the first couple of hours and allow it to have that time to get stable so that it wouldn't just break the legs in those first couple of hours. Again, why were they doing this? Well, because they knew that the lamb needed to be raised up so it could be a sacrifice down at the temple in Jerusalem. Now take all of that and come back into this story. This, this is so amazing to me. This angel says there's a sign that this baby is the Messiah, the savior of the world. Well, what is the sign? Well, that baby is going to be wrapped in clothes, these swaddling clothes, and lying in a manger. So when these priestly shepherds come to Bethlehem, right, they, they come to the location that Joseph and Mary are at, and they see little baby Jesus wrapped in swaddling clothes and lying in a manger, immediately their mind would go to the fact of, that's the lamb. That's not just a lamb, that's a lamb for sacrifice. And when you tie it in into the biblical prophecies that when the Messiah comes, he's not coming for himself. He's coming to rescue, to save, and to set the world free from sin. Well, that that is so pungent. That is so powerful to realize that what they would have been seeing in, in their mind's eye is that little baby is going to be a lamb ready for sacrifice down in Jerusalem. And what you see is that's what happened, that here is Jesus as he grows up and at the end of his ministry, he's been a lamb led to slaughter and yet he opened not his mouth that down in Jerusalem, he is giving his life as the perfect Passover lamb that, that the high priest examined his life to see if there's any spot or blemish and yet they could find nothing in him. And yet they still sent him to the cross. And as we already mentioned in a couple of episodes ago, that at the exact same moment, that the Passover lamb for that year was sacrificed at the ninth hour. At that exact moment, here is Jesus, Luke says, at the ninth hour, giving up his spirit. That there is this perfect parallel between Jesus being the Passover lamb that rescues and saves the world from sin. I love what Peter says in 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 19. He says, you are redeemed with the precious blood as of a lamb, unblemished and spotless, the blood of Christ. When you look at this Christmas story, it is so profound to me that it's not just, you know, we're not just celebrating the fact that God came to earth. It's not, we're not just celebrating the fact that God became flesh. Now we are, and that is amazing. But within the Christmas story, there is such a powerful realization that this isn't just about the birth of Jesus. This is actually a foreshadow. This is a preparation for the fact that we need a savior. In fact, that is even what Jesus, the name Jesus means. When the angel was talking to Mary, Gabriel says, and you shall name his name Jesus, for he shall save his people from their sins. Now, that name Jesus is, is two words in Hebrew. It's the word Jehovah or Yahweh combined with the verb to save. In other words, the name Jesus means God saves or Jehovah is salvation. 
when you look at the life of Jesus, he is our salvation. His name even means salvation. So let me give you a quick summary. Here is Jesus being born in a lowly manger. And the angel says, when you see that little baby, you're going to realize that that baby is the perfect lamb of sacrifice for he is the Messiah and he is bringing salvation to this world. That this is that good news of great joy, which the angel declared. Again, he was willing to be birthed in a stable, a mucky place of sin and, and smell and depravity known as you and I. And yet he's unwilling to leave us that way. This Christmas season, or whatever time you're listening to this episode, would you freshly ponder the reality, the goodness, this great joy of Jesus Christ? That as you come into the, the birth and the life and the death and the resurrection and the ascension of Jesus, it is all about the fact that he loves us so much that he was willing to come to this earth, humble himself, minister and pour his life out, die upon a cross be raised from the dead, ascend into heaven, pour forth his spirit upon us. And his desire through this whole thing is that he would have relationship with you and I. What an amazing reality. Well, I just love that meditation. It's such an encouragement and exhortation to my soul all throughout the year, but especially as I'm recording this in this Christmas season. As always, thank you for listening to this episode of the Deeper Christian Podcast for show notes of this episode, please visit deeperchristian.com forward slash 269 for episode 269. Again, if you'd like to follow me on that other series that I've been walking through, the storyline of scripture, I'll leave a link for that in the show notes. And until next time, know that I am cheering you on. I'm praying for you as you continue to build your life around Jesus Christ.